This program deals with things of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fambergas. And I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making the truth journey a reality. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And also don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, our USB drives with all our seasons and bonus material, and more. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight's special guest possesses incredible latitude as it relates to areas of expertise. He is known for his uncanny ability to forecast seismic and volcanic activity. He also knows his history, and also having held an above-top-secret security clearance, he is very aware of how the United States conquered anti-gravity propulsion since the 1950s. Imagine what we can do now. Is the planet getting ready for a change? Could we be rapidly approaching a time when wars may be a thing of the past, but what world government via 10 regions decided by the United Nations become a reality? Is the planet expanding? And that is why we are hearing Mother Earth roar, crack, and boom. What do the Hopi and even NASA 
know that they are not discussing. Could the approaching Comet Ison be the blue star Katrina, the hope he talked about? And what could our solar system experience during its passing? What are the safe areas to endure any possible man-made or natural calamity? For this and much more, Stan Deo is coming up next, right now on Veritas. This is Susan Joy Renison, and you are listening to Veritas. Stan Deo has hailed above top secret security clearance and worked undercover for the FBI. He was part of an exclusive black project headed by Dr. Edward Teller, specializing in the development of flying saucer technology. And after so many years, we finally, finally get to have Standeo on the show. And to learn more about Standeo, you can visit his website, which is linked on ours. And directly from somewhere in Colorado, the beautiful state of Colorado, I would like to welcome for the first time on Veritas, Standeo. Hello, Mr. Deo, how are you? Very good, Mel. Thank you for that kind introduction. It's my pleasure having you on. And a lot of our listeners have been asking me lately because of you know, we hear global warming, then it changes to to uh, uh, climate change, earth changes. And I thought, if there's one person out there that can definitely discuss this subject with, with a lot of credibility, it would be you. Stan, when did you start discussing all these topics? I'm always curious about your beginnings. Gosh, uh, well, at different times for different parts of the uh, topics you're mentioning, but... Um I suppose the uh, study of the sun started about 19, oh, uh, gosh, 1978, 77, 78. Um, that is after I left the organization with Dr. Teller's group and uh, had resurfaced over in um, Perth. Um, I found some of the works of uh, Gribben and Pleasurman uh, forecasting the planetary alignment and the effects it would have on the, the sun and hence the Earth's climate uh, quite interesting and did include those in talks in the uh, and also in the book the cosmic conspiracy um and at the same time i i picked up the club of rome document uh, where they were talking about the, the dividing the earth up into a new one world government of 10 nation states or super nation states so that's about when it most of it started it was back there in 77 now what you mentioned about dividing the world into 10 different regions. Is that something that are we going to see in our lifetime? Oh, yes. It's underway now. Um, I uh, wrote about it in the uh, Cosmic Conspiracy, and on page 200 of the book, I actually have a map that they um, produced. Uh, let's see. It might have been Meadows' report for the Club of Rome, but anyway, they did produce a, um, a map showing the 10 regions of the planet what they would be and uh, what nations would be included in them. They had a little bit of trouble with South Africa. They put that into two uh, different uh, groups at the same time. But basically, they used a, a um, socioeconomic, political, religious kind of criteria. There was a, a whole bunch of variables in the equation the computer they used at the time to determine what uh, what countries would fit uh, best into a common, you know, cultural, economic, religious packages. Now, 
but that's on page 200. It's the uh, the Club of Rome image, so I reproduce it as I saw it. Um, and a few pages before that, I actually list the nations that we know today as parts of those groups. And you'll find, as I said, South Africa is located in Group 4 and 8. And Group 4 primarily has Australia and then um, South uh, South, well, South Africa is in part of the African continent. So South Africa and, uh, and Australia, they divided it in those two groups. So uh, anyway, you can see that in the book. And there's a complete explanation of why they had done this. And uh, it is from their strategy for a survival project. Um, Masarovich and uh, Festel, the directors of the club at that time in 1973, put together this report. And that government, that global government, is, I'm sure, going to come to play in our lifetime and probably within the next uh, few years, uh, less than 10, less than seven, probably. We think of the word, the expression, one world government is coming. But of course, I always think of the war profiteering machine with a one world government. We wouldn't be having any wars. Is that why we have these divisions, these 10 regions? Because, you know, they can fight each other and still make money for the war machine? Oh, I don't know that it will be necessary at that time. Once they have absolute control, the the global planners, they're not going to need to have uh, wars to, um, you know, uh, make industry thrive. They'll have other things in the form of uh, mass conditioning, probably in the the social media networks and in the movies, TV shows, uh, of the time, if those things are still available, but that's a big if because there are a lot of, of threats that could uh, take our global technology back to the 1900s or 1800s, which would then, you know, change their whole objective uh, as far as how to deal with people. But uh, once they have, you know, control of these regions, and I think they will have control from using technology that's not even uh, Earth-based technology in my opinion anyway, and uh, once they have that control, there just won't be the need that they have today to have one group of countries fight another group of countries. Their whole objective in the last 200 years has been to, in fact, even longer, has been to um, consolidate groups of people by warfare into opposing groups and then have those opposing groups fight each other and amalgamate into bigger groups until we get to the last part where we'll have the... uh, Western Union of Nations um, fighting against the uh, Asian group. And uh, when the last great war is finished, the, the objective of the global planners is to no longer have need for war. A nice nice idea, but the way that they're going to implement it, are going to try to implement it, is not what I would consider a foolproof plan. And I want to discuss how the world would look like if, if that happens. But before that, I'm just thinking of how the the... Highways in the United States were built, you know, for the purpose of of being able to to uh, deliver the war machinery from state to state in case of of an attack. And the same thing could be said, in my opinion. I wonder if you agree with DARPA's internet. You know, we we can you know have all these thousands of computers connected to each other. Do you think that the purpose of the internet has changed and it has gotten out of hand? Because right now, people are, I don't think, are paying attention to the mainstream media that much and they're going to alternative. Do you think they didn't realize the power of the internet in the future? 
Well, I don't know whether it was that or whether they realized that in time they wouldn't need it um, to be a defensive mechanism, uh, you know, or defense communications, because ideally, if their plan succeed, they wanted to um, have a a peaceful world and there would be no need for a defense communication network. But, you know, DARPA, uh, ARPA at the time, uh, did design it for... Uh, communication you know, emerges during warfare. That's true. I don't think it'll be that way, and I don't think they expect it to be. As far as highways uh, connecting uh, the states to transport military weapons back and forth, they've replaced that now with subterranean tunnels that will mm-hmm. allow them to uh, transport equipment and personnel and supplies at very high speeds underground, perhaps in some cases under underwater in tunnels that are under the bottom of the ocean but anyway those those because of those new developments that they've uh, put into place in the last two or three decades um i don't see that they're they're too worried about repairing infrastructure in bridges and uh, highways between uh states particularly the united states we are going to have problems with the sun it is being irregular it uh its energy output is varying and so we call it a variable a star because its energy output, its uh, uh, signature output is varying. It's not constant. We expect it to get much hotter in the near future and hot enough at some point to actually force people underground into caves and caverns and, you know, air-conditioned basements. I don't know whether that would do it or not, but at that time, the heat will melt a lot of our roads that have uh, used tar to bind the elements to, to make the road. So cars will not be able to use those roads anyway. Tires will probably melt and burst from the heat. So, you know, I think the, the time is way past for them to depend on that as their major uh, transport mechanism or, or a road for the equipment they need to move. If roads would be so hot that they would melt tires, I don't think that... <laughs> Living beings will be able, at least humans, cannot be able to survive in that kind of heat, would they? Well, they'll be wanting to go into caves and underground. It'll only be a brief period of time, probably a few weeks, that that will, that will happen. But it will be a very uh, hot uh, time. Even the Hopi uh, prophecy keepers uh, have talked to Holly and I uh, about this, and they're expecting soon to see this uh, increased heat from the sun and They've already made preparations to go several feet underground, I think about six foot down to the top of the roof of their little mud kivas, like a, an igloo out of mud. And they've made provision for a few weeks for food and water. When the sun gets so hot, they have to go into the uh, the kiva to uh, survive. But it's not permanent. They They speak about it in terms of weeks. And after it passes, there will be a lot of trees and grass that have been burned and Just like the biblical prophecies in the book of Revelation, there will be dead fish, you know, in the streams and in the oceans from the heat, but it will pass. Let me just say thank you also to your wife, Holy Deo. She does a great job in, in her in, in her books and, and a lot of her research. Speaking of the Hopi, I think of uh, the Blue Kachina. Now we, all over the news, we see Comet Ison, which is blue. Well, it's a false, it's a false color image. And I don't know whether it really is blue or not, but it is in the image that, that NASA is showing of ice. And yes. So if this is indeed blue, whether it's true or not, 
Mm-hmm. Do you think this might be the blue kachina that, uh, and, you know, probably followed by the red kachina that the Hopi speak about? Well, it could very well be. Um, you know, it's a bright light in the sky and would qualify as a, a blue star. I don't think we're literally going to see another star uh, enter our system. Uh, otherwise, there'd be a lot more damage uh, recorded in the book of the Revelation of John. Uh, if that were the case, planets would change orbits and all kinds of things would happen. But I'm pretty sure it'll be a bright uh, comet-like object that will cause, uh, that will represent that uh, blue star. Now, there's another thing, too. The, the amount of debris coming out in the tail of that comet Ison is much more than expected, much more than normal. And this, to me, indicates that Ison is, I mean, it's so far out still, you know, that I wouldn't expect it this early, but it does indicate that it's breaking up and it's going to leave a long, uh, dirty uh, trail behind it. And in that respect, both Mars and Earth could interact, uh, could collide with a number of these debris uh, clusters, and that might be what the the biblical prophecy speaks of when it says a star called Wormwood falls into the ocean. It might be a big chunk of that comet uh, left over after it passes the sun. Now, when it does pass the sun, or gets closest point to it in November this year, it is going to be a, a sun grazer. It's a comet that gets so close to the sun that it grazes the outer chromosphere. And this causes, even in normal periods of, of the sun, this causes coronal mass ejections to erupt from the surface of the sun right in the direction where the comet passed and also on the opposite side of the sun just a, a few hours later. Sometimes up to a few, a couple of days later, but um, this this Eisen comet ordinarily may not might not have been a you know major deal, but because the sun is in a, a weakened state, it's burned over half its hydrogen supply, and it's it's subject to change to a new type of uh, nuclear reaction. And also, we're, this year we're seeing the the sun start to do its eleven uh, year um, polar magnetic polar reversal. Because of all these things coming at the same time that ice is coming to disturb it, we may see some rather interesting changes in the output of the sun itself as far as debris and solar wind and coronal mass ejections and flares and radiation, a number of things that I think will move. In fact, it's already starting to happen. We think the sun is already starting to shift its light output into the uh, blue ultraviolet range, which will be very, very bright, not so much so from the infrared side, which if the infrared were to increase by as much as we think the sun's ultraviolet will, it, it would cook the surface of the planet and nothing would live even in the caves. But I don't think that's what's going to be happening. I, I do think it's the ultraviolet. And having experienced a little bit of that ultraviolet penetration when I was in Australia, which uh, the ultraviolet uh, came through the uh, an ozone hole over Perth, we felt it, it going through our clothes. It was like a little pin stabbing your skin. And so imagine what it would be like if it was really bad. And at that time, when that was happening, they had just discovered that the sun was outputting two new spectral frequencies in the ultraviolet range. So we know positively, I mean, I've talked to the Air Force on this and some of the astronomers involved at the time, the sun is changing. And uh, this, this is just a very... Uh, unpredictable time for the next oh, probably six, seven, eight, nine years, something like that. I remember as a child uh, using a magnifying glass to, to burn paper. And sometimes uh, 
I would be stupid enough to put my hand, and I felt like a pinprick. Is that what you're referring to? Um, well, having used uh, magnifying glasses myself, the um, when I burnt myself with um, the magnifying glass on <laughs> the sun. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.